Hello and welcome to The Pain Cave. My name is Jay Friedman. I am your host and I'm very excited to be joined in person in the physical pain cave today by the co-founder of Rewire Cycling, which is a new cognitive training app for athletes that we're going to talk a lot about. Sun Sachs, Sun, welcome to The Pain Cave. Hey, thank you. Uh, I really appreciate it. Um, I'm glad to be here and uh, yeah, let's... uh Let's get into it. So yeah, we're going to talk. Uh, we were put into contact by a mutual friend, Laura Klein, who's been on the show before, and I'm going to probably have her again later on this episode so we can talk a little bit about her experience with the program and what she's kind of gotten out of it. But let's start by talking a little bit about your background and how you got into endurance sports and how you started developing this, this app. Sure thing. Um, yeah, I actually I grew up in uh, Boulder, Colorado. Uh, started endurance. Mecca. Yes, the Mecca. <laughs> um, I started endurance uh, c- competition and training uh, as a junior cyclist um, and just continued to sort of follow that path all the way um, all the way throughout my life. Um, pretty much raced every kind of uh, bike, every kind of competition. have done a lot of uh, triathlons, uh, some ultra events. And really just sort of have been living in that zone and that space. And then the, the parallel also is uh, for about 20 years, I've been in technology uh, and media, creating a lot of apps, uh, working with a lot of uh, really great uh, collaborators. And so um, in the end, I sort of just found a way to bring these two things together in a solution that I think uh, will be pretty interesting to athletes. And what is it that brought you out to the East Coast? Uh, I met and married my wife, um, who's a dancer uh, and choreographer, and uh, the rest is history, there as you they go. say. Yeah. yeah. So you've worked in the kind of information, well, I don't want to say information technology. I don't know if that imp- implies the wrong kind of field, but in the computer and yeah. software and hardware development business for a long time. What did you do before this was your main project? So uh, I've done basically created uh probably at this point hundreds of apps uh, a lot of uh, uh, media platforms and publishing systems uh, have done a lot of um, user experience uh, you know sort of uh, designing interfaces for people Mm -hmm. across a lot of different um, categories you know whether it be like um, music video countdown shows or uh, sales tools. So really just sort of finding solutions that work and align to the mindset and the tasks that people are trying to accomplish. Mm -hmm. Um, so definitely, um, at some point, um, probably about nine months ago or so, I realized that this, uh, really interesting science I'd been tracking for about five years, um, that, you know, one of the challenges was sort of a UI or UX user experience issue, um, and I, f- I figured, um, with the experience I had and in collaboration with my co-founder, um, that we could actually make a solution that would work and, and solve, solve that need. So, uh, that's sort of how we got started. Yeah. So the need that, that you're uh, referring to is kind of this somewhat nebulous idea that the mind or the brain is one of the governing, if not the governing forces in athletic performance and in specifically endurance performance. 
and you said this has been kind of on your radar for a little while. Was is it is it just through your background as an athlete that you kind of I don't want to say stumbled upon, but that this kind of uh, became an area of interest for you uh, before it was a professional area of interest? Uh, yeah, definitely. I'm you know sort of a performance nerd, um, <laughs> <laughs> super Type A, and and always uh, looking for ways to improve. The first time I heard about the science, you know, it was uh, sort of brought to the forefront by Samuel Marcora, who's an Italian scientist. Sure. Yeah, um, we talked about, uh, I mean, people who have been listening for a while, when we had Alex uh, on the show talking about his book. Um, Endure. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Alex Hutchinson uh, spoke a lot about Marcora in his book. And yeah. Uh, yeah, some really, really fascinating stuff. Sorry to interrupt. Oh, absolutely. No, the, the first time I heard that research and heard him, you know, an interview with him, I was like, I need to do this. There was just something um, incredible about, about that. Um, just the idea that there's all of this untapped potential that uh, we could potentially realize. And he was proving it out. Um, and I honestly, I was just waiting for the solution to come out. Mm-hmm. I was just waiting for the product. Um, and it never came. <laughs> so, uh, really out of frustration and out of my own kind of personal desire, I was just like, I'm just going to make it. <laughs> <laughs> and so this became just, uh, like a passion project, like something yeah. you did oh, in your spare time. Exactly. Just, just a passion project. And, um, uh, you know, as I dug in closer and closer, I just sort of realized again, you know, one of the big reasons I believe, uh, it hasn't been made yet is sort of the the theory and the science is one thing, but the practical application is another. Mm -hmm. And creating a solution that feels right to the athlete and works with their busy lifestyle. You know, like in the lab, the way they would develop sort of these tests is mount a laptop or a computer with a keyboard on a bike. And that's obviously not very practical. Um, You know, ergonomics are wrong. (laughs) (laughs) All Any number of things sort of make it... uh, you know, not workable for the athlete who, who is, has to jump on, jump in, do their two, three hours of training and then go on to the rest of their day. Um, so it felt like something we could tackle through really good usability. Um, and then also just thinking in sort of the mindset of the athlete, how do you, as you said, it's nebulous. How do you track that progress over time? How do you know if you're actually making progress mentally and how can you, kind of fold it into the routine that you would normally do without it being some crazy complicated thing. Right. So we felt like we could do all those things and we iterated on it for um, the past eight months, probably made like 60 or more versions of it mm-hmm. um, in collaboration with our beta test athletes. Um, and I think we're, we're in a pretty good place right now. So let's talk a little bit. I mean, uh, I think people who listen to the show, all dozens of them are, <laughs> you know, vaguely at least familiar with the idea of the central governor model or the idea that the the brain is the ultimate arbiter of kind of effort and performance. Now, so what are you trying to develop? What What's the kind of muscle, I guess, that you're trying to develop and how to explain a little bit without getting too deep into the weeds about the science behind how the training actually um, improves your, your cognitive function or your brain function uh, vis-a-vis endurance? Okay, yeah, absolutely. Um, so basically, uh, the, the specific type of cognitive training that we're doing is called response inhibition training. Mm -hmm. And that is essentially, um, training your mind to resist impulses, uh, which activates the part of your brain responsible for managing fatigue, uh, for, 
executive functions where you're uh, you're actually consciously concentrating on achieving a goal. Mm-hmm. Um, and in uh, doing these cognitive tests, these response inhibition tests, uh, it basically adds more mental load to your brain. So you you create a uh, fatigue state in your mind, very similar to if you've run four or five hours on the trail or you've swam, you know, 4K. You get to that point where, you know, it's a lot of horsepower, uh, both mentally and physically, to keep going, and you start to get into a fatigue state. And what this helps you do is basically accelerate that fatigue state so that you can get to those sort of race scenarios much faster mm-hmm. and stay in that sort of pain cave, if you will, in right. that zone um, without the cost of, you know, overloading your body or having to spend hours and hours getting there. Right. You can get there right away with a structured program like this. Um, so that's, in a nutshell, um, a big part of it. The other side of it is it's also the part of your brain that we're activating through response inhibition training is also um, how internally you're uh, rating your perceived level of effort, so mm-hmm. your RPE. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, because it is the part of your brain that manages that, you actually are uh, sort of inflating those numbers and causing yourself to have to adapt to those, you know, training at that inflated perception over time. And right. so what the app does is it actually tracks your perception of effort against your physical effort mm-hmm. and shows you when you're sort of inflating that perception. And over time, you adapt to training at a overloaded state and your perception of effort goes down. Right. So I've had sessions, uh, uh, you know, training with this app where suddenly I don't feel my legs. And that's like a nirvana state, you know. <laughs> I'm not going to say it happens every time, but it has happened uh, a few times already. And that's one of those things where like, you know, I could count in all my 30 plus years training, I could count with one hand how many times I felt like that, where you're just like, right. what's going on? I don't even <laughs> feel my, <laughs> I don't even feel my body, which is sort of, you know, it's sort of what you're, tr- you're ultimately hoping for is that you don't have a limit. You can right. just keep going. Right. Um, and so it's exciting to see uh, responses like that. The other thing I'd like to add uh, is just, you know, as endurance athletes, it's no surprise that the mental component is a big part of it, right? Mm-hmm. We all know, we all know that the mental side is a big part of training and competition. Um, but we don't really have a structured way to train that, right? It's sort of a nebulous thing. Uh, and so this really gets at finding a way to create that structure uh, so that you you do know when you're, when you're really tapping that part of your brain, like... Um, when I jump on uh, the trainer and, and do this uh, uh, these tests, I know pretty immediately if I'm in a fatigue state because my res- my response rate and my accuracy goes way down. Right. And I know, wow, I'm overloaded. It's sort of like, you know, if you're using other biometric systems and you can see you're overtrained, right. you can see that pretty immediately by your test results. Right. So that's also great insight to know because it's, Again, kind of a nebulous thing that hasn't right. been tracked to right. this state. A bit like using your resting heart rate to determine if, you're, if your resting heart rate is running high, or you're not getting enough sleep, or you're overtrained, or something like that. Like right. I say, it's another metric by which you can determine that. You can internalize so, it, yeah. So what, what you're kind of saying to me is you're, you're basically taking what 
you know, a workout that might usually give you an RPE of, you know, something more moderate. And by stressing the, the mental side, the brain, rather than stressing you physically, you're changing that RPE. You're changing the, the brain's cognitive uh, experience as to what that workout is doing. And over time, what that does is the same physical intensity should result in a uh, less of a, a, a rate of exertion because when, when you remove that, uh, that mental stimulus. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So um, they've there's a lot of studies out there. Um, and, you know, this is research has been kind of developed uh, by Marcora and others for over ten years. Um, but one very interesting study, you know, they looked at basically uh, it was in 2016 they looked at uh, professional athletes and amateur athletes. They were cyclists, and they basically had them do the same response inhibition training. And what they found is that the um, the pro athletes had more fatigue, sort of mental fatigue resistance. So in other words, their numbers, their RP numbers were not inflated mm -hmm. despite, um, you know, doing a hardcore cognitive test while doing a time to exhaustion test, which is a really difficult sort of test mm -hmm. where you go all out until you uh, can't go any longer. And they even found that the pro athletes, um, as the mental intensity increased, their performance improved hmm. so that, you know, how much of it is nature versus nurture and how much of it is developed over time. Um, it's hard to say exactly, uh, but clearly they have something that right. helps them sort of fight that, uh, mental fatigue state right. uh, better than amateurs. Right. And so this sort of gets at that. Right. And, and like you say, whether that's something that is innate to them and that's, you know, the reason that they ultimately became successful or is that the product of, right years and years of hard training and, yeah. and learning to deal with discomfort and distraction and fatigue that, you know, trains the brain. And, and that's something that is obviously going to be hard to know, but, uh, it's gotta be a combination of the two. You would yeah, think, it would, it would think, right. I mean, there, there's, there's then... research that shows that you can train this certainly. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so what, what you guys are developing obviously is, is a, a way to do that. That's hopefully going to be available to the masses. So yes. you were showing me a little bit about how it actually works. It's yeah. really, it's ingenious. It's basically, it's using, like you said, you know, we can't mount laptops onto our our um, our bikes or whatever. But uh, you know, we all have these super powerful computers in our pockets now, in in the form of of smartphones. And so you have basically what I assume is Bluetooth uh, wired into these little buttons that fit right onto the the handlebars, and that uh, communicates wirelessly with your phone, which you mount just in front of you. Mm -hmm. And then it's basically matching, uh, like you say, conflicting um, stimuli to your brain uh, just left and right very, very quickly and just learning to kind of do that uh, as, you're, as you're exercising. Yeah. How, how, much, how long did it take you to kind of adjust to be able to do that sort of thing during your workouts? Because just standing here for, you know, 30 seconds just doing it was already, I was uh, it, like on sensory overload the first yes. time. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely um, counterintuitive. That's what's kind of interesting about it. At first, the idea of doing a sort of brain training while you're actually physically training uh, feels super challenging. Right. Um, I would say probably after a month of doing it, I started to adapt. Mm -hmm. Now, this work, it's interesting because um, not to get too far in the weeds, but just in general, there's sort of these automated processes that your mind starts to learn 
and you start to become better and better at the test. Mm -hmm. And so what we need to do, of course, is make sure that that we continue to up the ante and make it harder and harder. Right. So, because your your instinct is going to be to try and cheat the test, basically, yeah, right? Yeah. And then that's defeating the purpose. At some point, obviously. yeah. At some point, the sort of base level test that we made, maybe after six weeks, became easy. Right. And I could do it almost without looking. So then we had to start to get into some of the more interesting uh, science around uh, sort of short term memory and how the how the brain. Uh, sort of recalls and you know the brain is really good at geospatial and and visual and mm -hmm. that's probably you know related to our primitive times right when we you know we had to go out and hunt and we were scanning the horizons we had to know exactly where we were and so on um, and so you know what we do is we start to mix up and scramble some of the words and change the shapes mm -hmm. because after like I said about six weeks you start to memorize the length and shape of the words right. you don't even have to read them <laughs> and that actually defeats the purpose because what we want is uh, a conscious decision making right over and over again again so in order we, to fatigue the brain exactly mm -hmm. so we you know we've developed it's at this point 10 different levels that just increase in complexity and then on the other side of it working with athletes like laura we learned some super interesting things so you know, um, getting to know her better. One of the things she said after maybe halfway through testing this is she was like, you know, I do better being chased than chasing. <laughs> we're like, hmm, interesting. How can we interpret that through the app? So when you're doing the app, every interval, it says, okay, your goal is, you know, to get 500 points or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. um, and that would be sort of analogous to chasing a target. Right. But she wants to be chased. So then we came up with this idea of basically reducing the time you have to answer each question. Mm. So you f have this feeling like I better go faster or I'm going to start to, you know, right. lose the uh, sort of incorrectly answer the questions. Right. And what's great about that is both sides of that equation create an emotional response. Right. So like you get basically flustered. Right. And she was telling us like, this totally reminds me of when I'm in a race and I'm having a really hard time and I start to um, kind of slip and then I go, no, no, no. And I, you know, get sort of internally motivated to push harder. Like right. anytime she feels like she's slipping up, it motivates her to push harder. Right. And right? you kind of refocus yourself. And you kind of refocus, right. you double down and refocus. So right. that was super helpful and sort of looking at the psychology of how people are motivated mm -hmm. was part of it as well. Now the, you said that the app is tied into not just your phone, but it's also telling you what to do in terms of structuring the workout, the physical workout for you. Exactly. So what we wanted to make sure of, uh, first we wanted to feel sort of the athlete has the, to the normal tools that they're used to working with, which are heart rate, uh, as it relates to uh, bicycle-based training, heart rate and a power meter. Okay. So it pairs with those two types of devices. And you pick a normal structured workout. So, for instance, you might want to do a sweet spot workout where you're working just below your um, functional threshold power, uh, or you might want to try to match a certain heart rate. Uh, so, it allows you to pick a workout like that, like you'd normally do, and then it layers on the mental piece to it. Hmm. And it finds the right moments to really sort of uh, create a situation where you're you're struggling to finish that interval and you're struggling to finish the cognitive test. Is it wired into your trainer so that it's adjusting your, 
resistance, I, I'm not a, a cyclist, but to meet the power output or is it just basically uh, getting feedback and saying you need to, you know, increase yeah. your cadence or something like that? It's basically every second it's, con it's connected real time and it's reporting every second what your current power output is. And then it gives you audio and visual cues whenever you start to slip in your uh, power rating. Uh, all that data is stored. Um, it would be possible to work with uh, sort of increasing the uh, the intensity automatically with mm -hmm. certain types of trainers. We haven't got there yet, but right, that right. is possible. It's huh. a great idea. Um, but yeah, basically we're showing them uh, where they're at in terms of their power and heart rate output. And then on at the same time, we're bringing in these mental tests. Uh, the other piece of it, which is worth mentioning, is we also have programmable mantras. So, you know, Another piece that uh, through the science has been shown to reduce RPE and help athletes regain focus is just simple mantras, mm -hmm. you know, like slow and focused or, you know, whatever those, that's probably a terrible one, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, uh, confident and strong, whatever you want to say, right. you can program those into the app and then, um, at the hardest intervals, those automatically show up. So you can start to sort of find more opportunities to learn what mantras work for you. Wow. And we, again, we're recording an incredible amount of data. We're not doing any machine learning yet, but that is something that we'll be adding over time. Right. So basically the system will, will eventually sort of automatically adjust to your progression mm -hmm. and, and tailor that next workout to your uh, sort of where you currently are. Mm -hmm. Now, is this something that you would, recommend or envision as being a, a daily kind of thing because I could kind of see that becoming just overwhelming I mean you <laughs> yeah. know you can recover physically but if yeah. you're constantly stressing your your brain this way I, I mean I could see really burning out on this pretty quickly is this yeah. you know more of a once a week or every other day or how how often how do, you, how do you see integrating this into just a general training plan yeah it's a great question and I think that is totally fair. I think you could, <laughs> like anything, you could overdo it yeah. and just be fried. I, I've certainly experienced it. You know, I, I know if I start to do more than a certain amount, um, com, you know, stress is stress to the body. So right. if you're mentally fatigued from work and then you're doing this workout, you you could sort of overdo it. Right. Um, That's what Dave Roche always says. Uh, yeah. The body doesn't know miles at no stress. Yeah, exactly. Right. So what we're basically doing is we're following the science um, a pretty compelling uh, study done by Mark Cora and others out of Kent. Um, they basically took uh, amateur, about 35 amateur athletes, and they had them train uh, mental training three times a week. Um, the control group just did the physical training. Mm -hmm. um, the test group did the physical plus the mental training at the same time. Mm -hmm. And over the course of those three months, they saw that the, you know, all the athletes improved, which you'd expect because you're physically training. Sure. The control group improved by about 40%, and the uh, mental plus physical improved by 126%. Wow. So that's like a 3x three three improvement. Yeah. Yeah. Three, yeah. And that's from, from my testing, that seems about right. What we've folded into the app actually is to try to sort of encourage that habituation as we track those three workouts. So we, every week it resets and mm -hmm. we say you need to achieve at least three. What's nice about it is, and I'm, I'm just as t time crunch as the next person. Um, I may not always have time to do like a two, three hour workout. Right. And that actually would be super intense just doing, you know, on the mental side. Yeah. 
So we have these different types of workout formats. Um, you know, the shortest one you could do would be 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. And you could just do that at like what Laura does a lot is she'll go on a run mm -hmm. and she'll just do the, the 15 minutes after mm -hmm. as a warm down. Mm -hmm. um, you can even just do it with the app without uh, the bike trainer, mm -hmm. um, just as a way to sort of preload your brain right. or add that load at the end. Right. So, you know, it could be as little as 45 minutes a week. Mm-hmm. I remember reading uh, Alex's book, Endure. He, he talks a little bit about uh, some of this cognitive in inhibition training towards the end of the book. And I think that's what he was. It was kind of like an hour in front of the computer of similarly kind of things. And then, and then you go out and run uh, yeah. in that kind of mentally exhausted state. So I guess yeah. you could use it in a similar way. Exactly. And I think if I recall, he was sort of complaining that yeah. <laughs> it's super boring <laughs> and I could, couldn't really tell if it was working. Right. right. So the, this app really tries to get at that and that, you know, one, you're also doing the physical training. Mm -hmm. So like what the funny thing is, I, I wasn't sure how our beta athletes, you know, we have some, uh, pro athletes across a couple of different, um, categories and I wasn't sure how they would respond because we're basically saying, Hey, guess what? All your workouts you do with this are going to be harder. Right. <laughs> are they going to enjoy that? Right. Um, the, what's the surprising thing is they like, I could quote the number of them that said it's fun. Huh. <laughs> So maybe it's getting at that thing where, you know, sort of athletes, they're really good at managing, you know, fatigue situations. Right. Or maybe there's some part of enjoyment they get out of it. Right. They certainly weren't bored. Yeah. So that's one thing. And then two, it's directly associated with physical training. It's not like you're just sort of abstracted doing this computer thing and right. then wondering if it's going to relate back to the physical training. Right. Uh, and then we also really spent a lot of time looking at the metrics and developing a series of metrics that would make sense and that would track those things we're trying to track, like your RPE over time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so hopefully that, that helps. Right. I mean, I mean, the other side of it is, you know, obviously you're doing this on a trainer or, you know, if you were a runner, you'd be doing something like this on a treadmill. I mean, that's inherently boring, right? I mean, that's yeah. why we do them in front of the television or, you know, right. with a book or something like that. Right. So, you know, if you're doing something to occupy your mind, I, it, right, it's going to be harder or more strenuous, but at least you're not going to just be sitting there. So, right. you know, I guess there's that perspective on it that, you know, as long as you're occupying your mind in some way, even yeah. if it is exhausting, it, at least it's something. Right, exactly. I, I remember, I mean, I, as as this concept of, of brain training and the, uh, the, the mental aspect of, of endurance sports and all sports kind of gains more popular traction, you know, you read in the popular literature about team athletes who do similar, or at least somewhat similar mental kinds of training. I mean, I know football players, uh, you always read uh, different things. I remember even uh, years ago, I'm dating myself now, uh, Donovan McNabb, who used to be the, the uh, quarterback for the Eagles for a long time, used to do weird things where um, he would be doing like agility drills, like where, or, or uh, reaction drills where his trainer would throw things at him uh, and he would either have to catch them or not catch them based on something that his trainer was uh, simultaneously yelling at him. So his brain is, is kind of processing some auditory stimuli and then translating it into some physical reaction. And it, this seems like kind of a similar sense. Is, is there a role for this thing, this uh, sort of training in non-endurance sports as well? Yeah, I think so. I mean, the, you know, like you've, you mentioned, the uh, team athletes like Tom Brady is doing. Yeah, um, that's another one, yeah, right. He's, yes. He's, he's doing uh, one of the cognitive uh, protocols he does is response inhibition training. Mm -hmm. But he does it 
on a computer. Right. So he's not a, it's not actually, well, you know, like the scenario you're describing where they're trying to catch and hear right, right, right. sort of conflicting information. Um, I think there definitely is a place for it. Um, right now we are basically exploring different interfaces. You know, we are, we're, we're experimenting with audio based inputs mm-hmm. where you're basically just yelling the command as opposed to pushing a button. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that it's certainly a possibility for it to expand to other sports for sure. Running, I think strength training as you're in between sets, mm-hmm. that's actually a perfect time to sort of load your mind. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I've done it on my rower before. Mm-hmm. Um, that's also possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that's, a, I honestly don't know team sports very well. So endurance is what I know. And, right. and I'm really just sort of focused on that. But, I, but I would think that the whole, like across categories is sort of untapped. Right. You know, the, a lot of what I see is these sort of mental games only. Mm-hmm. I'm not seeing much, Integrated many with many the solutions that are integrated with the right. physical because it's actually really hard to do. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, but it, it makes the most sense. You know? Now, and cycling is perfect, like you say, with a trainer and your body position is relatively stationary. For a runner, you could do obviously the same thing on a treadmill. It doesn't mm-hmm. seem like it would be much of a transition to, I mean, I, mm-hmm. I presume that once you guys kind of get into the next phase of everything, there will mm-hmm. be a, you know, a handheld running extension or something like that, similar yep. to what you have on the bike now. Hundred percent. So, so where do you guys stand right now? You've you've done the, you know, obviously, like you said, about a year of product development, beta mm-hmm. testing. Now, what mm-hmm. what's the next step for for Rewire? Yeah. So we have um, sort of developed the software uh, and um, and worked through all of the beta testing and gotten it um, to a state we think is very usable and very practical. Uh, and uh, next month we're going into a Kickstarter. Um, we already have a manufacturing partner that can basically develop these, uh, Bluetooth straps with buttons that Mm -hmm. can be either held in the hands or attached to a bike. Um, and they're waterproof and sweat resistant and, um, have a long shelf life in terms of the number of clicks you can press. Mm -hmm. Um, so they're really ready to go and we just need to raise the funding to, um, to basically manufacture these straps. Once we have those straps in hands, uh, in hand, actually, the goal is to put it back in the hands of the scientists. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd love to do some uh, studies. Um, you know, we've sort of, because we've taken it to a practical state, we've pushed the envelope in terms of the science. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no more science that tells us what to do beyond, you know, sort of the basics. Right. And so we'd love to get it back in the hands of the scientists uh, and learn uh, sort of uh, other areas we could improve upon. Um, and you know, at that point then we're moving towards commercialization. So we'd make it available in an ideal world, uh, beginning of next year. Wow. Okay. Just how did you guys make the current prototypes you're working on? Was that, I mean, how did, did you develop the hardware yourselves as well? Yep. Yep. So, uh, I did all the, the soldering and, you know, work, uh, uh, developing the hardware, my partner developed uh, the uh, mobile app, uh, and then you know we just sort of shared a bunch of other responsibilities. So it was just two of us. Wow, <laughs> wow, yep. And the Kickstarter goes live when? Uh, June fifteenth. Okay, so yeah. we'll have to get this up pretty soon then. So we'll link to definitely the Kickstarter campaign. I'm gonna hopefully throw up a link to uh, some of the the videos that you guys have, kind of showing exactly what it's about. Are you, are you going to have like a, you, I'm sure on the Kickstarter, there'll be some uh, kind of video showing you exactly how it works. It's a really, a, it's a fascinating. And like I said, after 30 seconds, I was already kind of overwhelmed and I could, I could see it really being a, a big stressor, but a, a really important part of training. I think it's really, really cool. 
Awesome. Yeah. 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 We'll definitely have all of that information on the website and on Kickstarter. Uh, we're on uh, rewirecycling.com. And then um, on the Kickstarter, we'll make that available through the website and on social. And um, yeah, we basically walk through how it all works, the technology behind it, the science behind it. So um, if there's if there's more interest, it'll definitely be easy just to go to the the website or the Kickstarter to find out more. Very cool. Sunsex, thanks for joining us in the pain cave. Everybody stay tuned. We're going to have Laura Klein on in just a little while to talk a little bit about her training with the app and kind of what she has found it to do for her and maybe how exhausting it actually is. So we'll be right back. All right. And now we are very excited to welcome back to the pain cave for the third time, I believe, our good friend, Laura Klein. Laura, welcome. Thanks for having me back. Thanks for coming back on. I wanted to get an athlete's perspective on some of the stuff we just talked about with Sun. You were the one who actually uh, hooked me up with him for, for the podcast and, and kind of made me aware of what he was doing. How did you come to be involved with the development of Rewire and uh, what, what has your experience been with it so far? Well, Sun and I were friends through social media and he had just kind of started kicking around this idea of wanting to create this app for mental training and just kind of kept me involved from the get-go of what he was working on and how everything was panning out. And he wanted me to be one of the people to test it early on. So I've been using the app since the end of January of this year. Mm -hmm. And I got to tell you, I mean, it's, it's not easy when you're, a results-driven person like me, <laughs> <laughs> right. who's very competitive, even if it's only with myself. And, you know, I, I'm i looking for perfection when I'm using this app. Like, right. I want quick reaction time and high accuracy score. So it, it's it's tough and it's stressful, but I'm really learning a lot about myself and learning how this is going to apply to racing, which has been very cool just to kind of see these things come into action and I even you know back in my race in March at the Cordillera Mountain Ultra I kind of you know at one point in the race was thinking about the app and thinking about the training I was doing and actually used it to my advantage there so it's it was cool to actually be able to apply it in real life. How so did it just give you like an extra boost knowing that you had been through this and that mentally you know theoretically you were stronger or? It was more about how you know you get to points in a race where it's just you're getting kind of tired or you're sore and you're just you're slowing down and you're just kind of allowing that to happen because you're like you know what you know I'm either I'm not really trained for this properly or something's bothering me in my leg it's okay if I slow down right I was I was on the one of the bigger climbs of the race which is it was about 8k of climbing where it was mostly above 30 percent grade Oh, God. Got up to 40 at some point. It was kind of reminded me of like Lickbrook at uh, Cayuga. Yeah, yeah. Doing that doing over, that over 8K. <laughs> and at one point, I, I just, you know, it was rough. I was not trained for climbing at all. And I paused and just turned around to see if anyone was behind me. And I was just like, you know, this is what I'm using this app for is so that I don't lose focus at a point like this where right. I'm tired and I'm sick of climbing. And I just put my head down and I just refocused and just kept kept it consistent through the rest of the climb. And, right. you know, I, I came into that climb being five and a half minutes behind the lead female. And by the end of the climb, 
I was only three minutes behind her. And I, I can't attribute that to being a strong climber because I really wasn't <laughs> trained right. for it at the time. Right. I really think it was just because I really focused on, you know, just moving forward consistently. Right, right. Now, Sun was very upfront about the fact that he thought, or one of the main kind of drivers for him in developing this app was what he perceived as his own athletic limitations, which he described as being mental. He, he you know, was a serious cyclist and always, he, he, he said he always viewed his performances as being limited by his, you know, mental strength or, or deficiencies there. Do you see, I, I, you know, having difficulties with focus or with mental strength is not an, a factor that I would attribute to you in your racing, at least from the outside. Is that Have you viewed that as a weakness for yourself before that you wanted to address? I haven't, but, you know, at the same time, I appreciate what this app is doing and, like I said, like what it's teaching me about myself and showing me. Like, you know, one of the things is, you know, I've had a little bit of an injury for a while now. Mm-hmm. So there's sometimes where I get on the bike and do a mental training session where I'm in a lot of like physical pain or I'm just really exhausted because I wasn't sleeping well. And I could see my performance like really suffering from that, Mm -hmm. like response time slower, making a lot of errors. And it would have been really easy for me to just be like, you know what, I'm having an off day. Who cares if I have a bad session? But instead, like, I don't let those excuses get to me. And I, I just push harder because I do want those good scores. And I'm like, you know, that's that's what you need to do in a race, too. Right. Right. You don't want to be in a race and be like, well, you know, I've had this knee bothering me for a while, so it's okay. Right, right. So, you know, I, I like I like how it just teaches me, you know, how my mental focus suffers when I'm tired or in pain or even if I'm just having a bad day, like in a bad mood. And it just, it's teaching me how to push all those feelings aside and just really like double down and focus on what I'm doing. Tell us a little bit about the experience just of physically using the app, you know, just the logistics of it, how it works. And I mean, we talked a little bit about it with Sun, but what, what, what have you found in terms of your experiences using it? Um, I, I like the setup. I still have the original setup that has wires and I believe now it will, is wireless and it will be wireless upon the release. Yeah. The one that he showed me was wireless. It was, um, yeah, it was all Bluetooth. But it, yeah, it sets up nicely. I mean, you have options of where to position it on the handlebars for the bike. Mm-hmm. So you can be in the most comfortable position. They're doing some voice activation. So you can actually go back and forth between using the buttons or speaking the answer so that you can be repositioning or taking a drink or whatnot. Right, right. Um, you know, you're, you are looking down at your phone the whole time. Right. So that's you know, that's the one thing to it, but it's, I don't really mind because I'm just so focused on what I'm doing. The time kind of flies by for me. Right, right. When I tried it, uh, and he brought in like a, um, a little handlebar setup for me just to, to kind of test it out and, and see how it went. I mean, I, A, found it incredibly difficult uh, at mm-hmm. first. And, and, you know, I could see it getting frustrating, certainly. And I could definitely, after 30 seconds, feel it be- becoming exhausting. And I, mm-hmm. you know, just trying to picture myself doing it for 20 minutes at a time or more uh, was a little bit overwhelming. How much does it take out of you? Like, how much stress is it really adding on to a, just a, a regular ride? 
It's, uh, you know, at first I was actually doing standalone workouts and I think, I think I might've done it. What do you mean by that? Which means I got on the bike solely to do a mental training workout. So I was doing, I could do like 45 minutes to an hour. They even have some 90 minute workouts on there. Oh God. So those are, of course, are a little bit more taxing because you're just doing that the whole time and you'll get the small breaks in between intervals, but you know, it's, it's a lot. Yeah. (laughs) Um, now I've, I've switched it now that I'm kind of back into training a little bit more. I've switched it to where I'll do maybe an hour ride on Zwift on my trainer Mm -hmm. and then I'll do one of their double up workouts, which means you can just tack something on at the end. Okay. You can do like a warm down or just like an end tempo where it's usually like 15 to 20 minutes. Okay. Okay. So you're almost in like a maintenance mode then. Yeah. Or I mean, sometimes I do some where at the end you're doing some like five minute at 75% FTP intervals at the end of your ride. Mm -hmm. So you can, you know, there's options to make it either just like, you know, maintenance or you're still working pretty hard. Right. Okay. Um, so those, I don't feel those are as taxing, but it also could just be that, you know, the longer I'm doing this, the more that I'm doing, it's becoming a little bit more routine for me. And yeah, I'm Sun had mentioned how you do it. adapt to it and, and mm-hmm. therefore it, they do have to kind of ratchet up the difficulty as you go. Otherwise, he said after a couple of months, it does get a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, my concern with it, you know, just my very brief experience with it is, you know, I could, I could see, I mean, I could see the benefit of it right away. And I, th- I think it would actually be pretty cool for a little while. And then I could see really getting burned out on it. Like if I had to, if I was doing it really frequently, I could feel like I, I could see myself starting to dread just my regular run if I knew I had to do it as, as part of that run, because it did seem like it was going to get exhausting. Do, do you have any concerns or have you had any experiences with kind of like mental fatigue or burnout with the idea of it? I haven't. I've been doing usually two sessions per week. Okay. Um, the, the aim is three. I don't always get to three. Sometimes I do. Mm-hmm. But again, with me switching to the double up workouts to add, tack it on to the end. Right. And I've actually, part of the testing I was doing, he was having me do just mental tests mm-hmm. after either like long runs or hard runs. So it was another way, like I'd finish the run. So you're kind of in a depleted state. And then you do 15 to 20 minutes. And even that, you know, those those shorter 15 to 20 minute sessions, I don't feel I'm burning out on those and I don't dread them. Right. Like if I were to like go into the app now and look at like a 90 minute mental training workout, I'd probably be like, oh, I don't know if I have the energy for that today. But, right. I mean, I think in the off season, that's and that's kind of when I was doing those right. longer workouts. I think they're a little bit easier to, to manage. That makes sense. Yeah. No, two two times a week is just what I thought, like picturing what I myself would use it for. I, I was thinking, right, like I could see myself doing it twice a week as, you know, because it's it's not infrequent that I finish up a run outside and I'm going to do another 20 or 30 minutes on the treadmill just, you know, while the kids are around or whatever. And I could, mm-hmm. see, it, I could see it being like a twice a week, you know, 20 minutes at the end, 30 minutes at the end adjunct to what I'm doing normally on an easy day. I, I think that that is where I would find it kind of useful and helpful or useful and fun, I should say, um, mm-hmm. without really, but, but right, if it was like a four or five time a week thing, I think I would probably just cook myself on it. Yeah, because <laughs> he even told me because I was testing it going into the, my last race, he told me not to do any workouts the week of the race. Oh, interesting, interesting. So I guess 
it probably has a little bit more of a strain than I feel it does. Right. But it, it was kind of interesting to hear that. But it, it, I find it interesting that in just a couple of months, you really did notice, like consciously notice a difference performance-wise in racing in terms of how you were able to refocus yourself and that sort of thing. Yeah, and I also, I think another cool thing that I'm getting out of this is, you know, I was doing some of these workouts where, like I said, I do like a five-minute at 75% FTP and then 20 seconds of anaerobic stacked on top of that. Mm -hmm. And I find that when I had to really increase my power and work harder physically mm -hmm. I was focused more mentally like my I was answering quickly and accurately and I found that to be very interesting and it, I think it makes sense you know if you look at when we're doing track workouts when you're right. doing an interval you like you're in the moment right and you're really focused and I'm finding like it was cool to discover that because now I see that I think where I need to work on this is just by doing like the warm down spins with mental training where you're not, cause when I'm not really focusing on a high power and I'm just kind of cruising along, mm -hmm. that's when your brain starts to wander. Yep. And as ultra runners, you know, a lot of our races, we're not doing a whole lot of all out efforts, right. or really hard efforts. It's mostly just long hours at a set pace. Right. Right. So it was cool for me to kind of figure that out and say, okay, well, that's where I need to really focus my mental training. Right. That makes sense. Have you used it on the treadmill yet or just on the on the trainer? Just on the trainer or, like I said, sometimes after a run. Right, right. Uh, just being stationary, not, not while you're yes. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, it'll be interesting, I think, when he develops or when they develop a, a handheld um, mm -hmm. type of device to, to try it on the treadmill. I, I think it'd be really cool. Yes. Laura, thanks for taking the time. I'm glad that you are starting to get back healthy and back into racing. I'm going to see you coming up soon, I think, right? Yes, I will be making a visit out there, and then I'll see you at Whiteface also. Yeah, Whiteface is, I, I just talked to Elizabeth, she'll be up there, and uh, I think a, a whole bunch of the Mountain Peak folk will be there, so it's going to be a really good time, looking forward to that. Cool. Thanks so much, everybody, for listening. We will link to the uh, information and videos for Rewire in the episode notes and we'll send a link if you do want to support the kickstarter which should be opening up any day now and until next time in the pain cave just keep putting one foot in front of the other Rusted like a proud old car that's drove a little too far and seen too much rain. But long ago, as a child, I look up at the night sky in wild wonderment. And ride the bus, feel upset to think of all the years I'd have to go through there. I was still young. I was still young. I'm